السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فقد قال الله جل وعلا في كتابه المجيد بعد عود بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وكلا نقص عليك من أنباء الرسل ما نثبت به فؤادك وجاءك في هذه الحق وموعظة وذكرى للمؤمنين وقل للذين لا يؤمنون اعملوا على مكانتكم إنا عاملون وانتظروا إنا منتظرون ولله غيب السماوات والأرض وإليه يرجع الأمر كله فاعبده وتوكل عليه وما ربك بغافل عما تعملون صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله we are we started this program where every night at 8 p.m. for about half an hour uh, we'll have some form of a daily reminder and so on Mondays uh, I've been tasked with the responsibility of mentioning stories from the Quran divine narratives as they're called the thing is that the whole Qur'an is revealed to the Prophet ﷺ in the span of 23 years. It was not revealed all at once. It was revealed bit by bit in 23 years. 10, 13 years in Makkah Mukarramah, 10 years in Medina Tayyibah. And the fact of the matter is that the whole Qur'an is in fact a story of the Prophet ﷺ, is a narrative in a way of the Prophet Because every ayah that came down on the Prophet came down based on the circumstance, the situation that he was in. And so we find at times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly speaks to the Prophet At times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions stories of the Prophets and then there are times when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down his ahkam. We as human beings, we are social creatures. We need interaction. Some scholars say that the word insan actually comes from the word uns. Which is to, to have some form of familiarity, uh, to be sociable. And so you cut a person off from, from society... Uh, the person in a way withers away. At least that's what we think. It is true that we as human beings, we are social creatures for the most part. And we learn from other human beings. And that's why stories and narratives play such a huge role in our lives. If we look at our own life, we find that whoever we are today, whatever we are today, we're shaped by the individuals that are around us. We're shaped by their stories. 
We're shaped by their experiences, which in turn becomes our own experience. We have our parents. We have our siblings. We have our other relatives, aunts, uncles, grandparents. We have our spouses. We have our children. All of them together shape who we are. That is our narrative in that sense. Likewise, we as Muslims, for everything that we have, we turn to Allah and His Rasul. And Allah and His Rasul then provide us with the guidance of how we should lead our lives. And so then the stories that are in the Qur'an, these narratives that are in the Qur'an, they're there to shape us, to help us. We find many, many stories in the Qur'an. And as I said, these are all there to assist the Prophet ﷺ. In the Qur'an, the ayah which I recited, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كُلَّنْ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الرُّسُلِ مَا نُثَبِّتُ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ All of what we narrate to you, of the stories of the Prophets, is to solidify your heart, is to give your heart solace and contentment. This is something that we'll be able to understand if we take a glimpse into the life of the Prophet ﷺ, and inshallah that's my uh, intention for today. Because the greatest of narratives that we have for us as Muslims is the life of the Prophet ﷺ, is a seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Qur'an, Nabi ﷺ was the walking, talking Qur'an. In the words of Aisha radiallahu anha, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ When the tabi'oon would come to Aisha radiallahu anha and ask her, how was the Prophet ﷺ, what was he like? She would say, don't you read the Qur'an, don't you read the Qur'an. Read the Qur'an. Whatever you find in the Qur'an, you'll find that that's how the Prophet ﷺ was. So, this ayah here where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that all of this is there to strengthen your heart. We will be able to understand this when we take a glimpse into the life of the Prophet ﷺ. At the age of 40, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored the Prophet ﷺ with revelation. And very soon afterward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the responsibility of inviting the people towards Allah. There were individuals who immediately accepted. For example, the Prophet wife, Khatija radiallahu ta'ala anha, the Prophet close friend Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an, who single-handedly became the individual to delivered the message to other Sahaba. And the individuals who he delivered to all of those individuals are today known as from the, from the Ashara Mubashara. Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, Uthman ibn Affan, radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. Likewise, when he gave his message to the Quraysh, there were some few who accepted and initially many who rejected. In one point at time, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam climbs Mount Safa and he invites the people. He tells the people, So what do you think of me? What is your opinion of me? 
And all of them collectively say that you are someone who is honest, you are someone who is truthful. We've never experienced any lie from you. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sets a scenario for them. That imagine if there was an army that was behind this valley, ready to attack, and I were to warn you about it, would you believe me? He said, of course we would believe you. We have never experienced you to say any lie. With that, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, well then I warn you of something even more dangerous, even more severe. That is the punishment of the hereafter. Imagine an individual who's never spoken any lie in his life. An individual who is trustworthy, trusted in the community. He's lived 40 plus years among them, which is not a short time. 40 years is almost a lifetime. I've lived a lifetime among you. You know me, you know my character, you know how I am. And I'm bringing you this message. I'm a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to you. And the first person to object is the uncle of the Prophet Abu Lahab. Where he says, Tabban lak. Tabban lak This is why you call us here? May you be perished. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at his response, Allah sends down ayat. تَبَّتْ يَدَىٰ أَبِي لَهَبٍ It is interesting to note that those who accepted Islam then, just because of the belief that they had, they were tortured. We know the stories of Bilal radiallahu an and of Khabbab and Ammar and his family radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. Tortured for believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Day and night tortured to such an extent that at one point in time, some of the Sahaba have to come to the Prophet and ask, What should we do? And finally, the permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes that you are allowed to migrate to Habsha. And a group of Sahaba migrate to Habsha, to Abyssinia. It's very difficult to imagine the kind of difficulties that they may have been through. These continue to escalate. These difficulties continue to escalate, continue to escalate. Until in the seventh year Hijrah, the Quraysh demand the Prophet ﷺ. They demand the families of Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib to hand over the Prophet ﷺ so that they may take they may deal with the Prophet themselves. But of course, because this is a tribal society, even though some of them have not accepted Islam, like the uncle of the Prophet Abu Talib, yet they are not ready to give their son, their nephew, their brother away. And they refuse. Say, do what you want, we are not going to give Muhammad over. The leaders of the Quraysh gather together and make a pact of boycotting the Prophet and the family of the Prophet Banu Hashim, Banu Muttalib are now drawn within the pact that they will be isolated. This happens in 7th year Hijri. 
In the pact, they make the agreement that no one will marry into these clans. No one will buy and sell from them. If anyone tries to sell them, they would bribe them and tell them to increase the price threefold, double, three, triple. Caravans are stopped. And for three years, three years, the Prophet and these two tribes of Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib go through these conditions. During this time, there are some individuals who who come to the to, who secretly try to provide aid to the Prophet and to aid to the to to the families of Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib. Otherwise, they are completely barred from society. But it's interesting to think that during these three years, what was it? Any of the conditions that they went through, it comes in the narrations that you could hear the children crying in those valleys due to hunger. The, the crying of the children could be heard from the valleys because of hunger. Three years is not a small time. Three years of being boycotted. Then, but Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew. He knew that the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are true. And he informed his uncle after around, around the, as the 10th year now approached from his prophethood, he said, know that the pact that they made, and, and it's interesting that the pact that they wrote, they actually hung it in the Kaaba. They hung it in the Kaaba to make it clear to the people that this is like a religious it's a religious sanction. Right? Put it in the Kaaba. Hang it in the Kaaba to let the people know that this is a religious sanction. And Nabi Sallallahu here then, towards the end of it, he informs his uncle that know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has sent for one of his creations to eat up this pact. And his uncle Abu Talib goes and he speaks to the leaders of the Quraysh and he says that this pact that you made is no longer there he said we don't believe you he said my nephew has informed me and I believe my nephew and he said if the pact is still there you can take him this is a good bargain because they in their mind are thinking that the pact is still there when they enter into the Kaaba and they look at the pact they find that the whole pact is eaten up by termites. And the only thing that is left is wherever the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was written. You would think that they would believe. But they were adamant in disbelieving. They were adamant in continuing in their disbelief. And instead, they responded by saying, see, this is sorcery, this is sorcery. Three years the Prophet and the families of Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib stayed in that valley. After the tenth year, soon after this incident, the Prophet uncle, who was his physical supporter, and the Prophet's wife Khatija radiallahu anha, who was his emotional support, who was his internal support, both of them soon afterwards passed away. This year is also known as the year of grief. 
the year of sorrow. And most think that this is called the year of grief and the year of sorrow because Nabi wasallam lost these two individuals. But in fact, some writers, they write of Sirah. That the reason was that after the passing away of these two individuals, the opportunity to give the da'wah and, and the, the potential of the people to accept Islam became limited, it became restricted. The doors that were open for the Prophet ﷺ to invite other people were no longer there. But this was a way for, the, for mankind to see that this is a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that what Allah wills will happen. His message will not flourish because he has a protection of his uncle or because he has the comfort of his wife. No, it's because he has divine aid from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We hear after then, after this, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa goes to Ta'if and many of us know what happens in Ta'if. Where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there, going there for what reason? For the benefit of humanity. I want to save you from eternal punishment. I want you to, I want to take you to eternal salvation. I'm not asking you of any money. I'm not asking you of anything from you except believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recognize that the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is coming. That's it. And what response is he given? He's having to leave the city of Ta'if with blood running down his, his shins to his feet and his shoes. It's sometimes, you know, when we read these stories from the seerah, and you read these other stories from the Qur'an, you have to wonder, what was it that allowed the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum to say, stay so firm? What was it? That despite all of these years, despite all that they faced, and don't think that these things ended in, 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 after they migrated to Medina Munawwara. There were other challenges, other difficulties that they faced in Medina Munawwara. Different challenges now. In Makkah Mukarramah, you had an open enemy. You had people who very clearly are your adversaries. Now in Medina Munawwara, you're dealing with the Jewish community who are agreeing to one pact, but then they're going back on their words. And then within their own ranks, they have the hypocrites who say one thing in front of you and say something else in the back. And you have no idea. They're an enemy that you have no idea what potential that they have. Had they had other challenges that they faced in Medina Munawa. The battle of Badr takes place, the battle of Uhud takes place, the battle of Ahzab takes place. Yet in all this time, with all of this thing going on, a person would think that subhanAllah, if it was any, if, if it was any other scenario, any other individual, you would have lost followers. People may have liked any, there are people who, you know, they like an ideology. They like a philosophy, but if there's hardship in it, if there's sacrifice, if they're asked to sacrifice, they're not ready to do it. They'll say, okay, you know what? The idea that you bring, the philosophy that you bring, hey, it's good. But I'm not ready to sacrifice my life for it. I'm not ready to sacrifice my money for it. For so many years, these Sahaba continue. What was it that motivated Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an and, and uh, uh, Umar radiallahu an and so many other Sahaba radiallahu anhum to endure what they endured? 
It was number one, their unshakable belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They had an unshakable belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They believed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the depths of their heart. No one can convince them otherwise. It was a connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that allowed them to continue. Likewise, it was the Prophet who was their example, their role model. And he's not just a role model for the people of that time, he is a role model for generations to come. If today, there are people in the world, Muslims in the world, who feel like they're abandoned, who feel like they are put on the con in confines, well no, they can rest their hearts knowing that their Prophet ﷺ went through this as well. This is a mercy from Allah SWT. This is a wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your Prophet also went through difficulties that you can never imagine. Perhaps you will never have to face in your life. In fact, you will never have to face the kind of difficulties that your Prophet went through. Likewise, it was their unwavering belief in the hereafter. They knew from the depth of their hearts that this world one day is soon to be over. And tomorrow I have to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why they knew that the difficulties of, these, of this life is nothing compared to the hereafter. I should use this life. I should use this life to work for the life hereafter. And number four, it was the Qur'an. The Qur'an, the encouragement in the Qur'an and the narratives in the Qur'an that allowed the Prophet and the Sahaba to continue doing what they did. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ عَلَيْهِ الْقُرْآنُ جُمْلَةً وَاحِدًا كَذَلِكَ لِنُثَبِّتَ بِفُؤَادَكَ وَرَتَّلْنَاهُ تَرْتِيلًا The disbelievers, they say, if only the Qur'an is revealed at once, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, no. Likewise, we intended to reveal the Qur'an bit by bit, portion by portion, so that it may strengthen your heart. And in all the difficulties that the, the Prophet along with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum they went through, the Qur'an was their, their guide. That's why many of the narratives and the stories that do come in the Qur'an, you'll find, for the most part, they're in the Makkan period. And then you'll find some in the Madinan period, but the nature of them in the Madinan period slightly changes. In the Makkan period, the stories that come are about of sacrifice. All the prophets that came before, that, oh, Nabi wasallam, you are the final link in the line of prophets. And there were prophets before you who were also mocked, who were also troubled, who were also uh, uh, um, denied. But yet they stood firm. O Prophet of Allah, you stay firm as well. Tell the believers to stay firm as well. Why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, رُسُلَنَا وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيَوْمَ يَقُومُ الْأَشْحَادِ Indeed, we are the ones who help our prophets and those who believe in this life and on the day when all of creation will stand. These stories, 
you will find throughout the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at times he says, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مَرْيَمْ وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِبْرَاهِيمْ وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مُوسَى وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِسْمَاعِيلِ Mention these prophets in the Quran. Who were they? What they did? وَاصْبِرْ عَلَى مَا يَقُولُونَ وَذْكُرْ عَبْدَنَا دَاوُودَ ذَا الْأَيْدِ إِنَّهُ أَوَّابِ Be patient on what they are saying to you. And remember our servant Dawood. He was somebody who returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He had a constant connection with Allah. Indeed, we subjugated the mountains with him so that they, along with Dawood السلام, would do the tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَذْكُرْ عَبْدَنَا أَيُّوبِ وَذْكُرْ عِبَادَنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبِ in other place of the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِلَىٰ عَادٍ أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا وَإِلَىٰ ثَمُودَ أَخَاهُمْ صَالِحًا وَإِلَىٰ مَدْيَنَ أَخَاهُمْ شُعَيْبًا All of these stories are there. Not so that we can enjoy some sort of tale. نَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ No. Allah Ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبَرَةٌ لِأُولِ الْأَلْبَابِ In their stories, there is a lesson to be learned. For those who are intelligent. مَا كَانَ حَدِيثًا يُفْتَرَى These are not narratives, these are not stories that are fabricated. وَلَكِنْ تَصْدِيقَ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ They are a confirmation of what is in front. وَتَفْصِيلَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ And an explanation of everything. وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةً Guidance and mercy. لِقَوْمِ يُؤْمِنُونَ The situation that we're in, this gives us a great opportunity to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very often when we're put in difficult situations, we as human beings naturally tend to look at the negative aspects of it. But part of being a believer, part of believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is having tawakkul in Allah. That whatever is happening, Allah subhanahu is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when it goes, it will go from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. In fact, we believe that Allah subhanahu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, with difficulty comes ease. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. We recognize that yes, ease will come after this. But during this time, these are reminders from Allah for the believers and non-Muslims. These are reminders from Allah. You see the situation that the world is in today. You see the situation we're in. We're asked not to leave our homes unless if it's necessary. You go out and you find that food is, is, is being finished in, the, in, in stores. You have now uh, uh, economists who are talking about what will happen to the economy. Big, big businesses are, 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 are failing. They're thinking of what to do with the, in, in the government, in the Senate. We should do this, we should do that. Everyone is worried. This is a taste. This is a reminder. What you're facing, what we're facing today, is nothing, is nothing compared to what is to come. What is to come in the hereafter? This is a reminder. So what do we do? What does the believer do? They look at this, they, they take advantage of this difficulty. In this difficulty, there's an opportunity for the believer. What do they do? They connect themselves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
they connect themselves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They increase in their prayers. They increase in their recitation of the Qur'an. And one thing I, I highly recommend is that as we're reading the Qur'an, also look through the translation of the Qur'an as well. See what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us. And cut ourselves off from the evil. How do we expect to benefit from the Qur'an when our ears are listening to music, our eyes are looking at filth? How do we expect then the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to come down on our hearts and have an impact on our hearts? This is our opportunity. At the same time, if a person is not very careful, it will be a way for destruction as well. Don't lose this opportunity. Many will waste this time. They may waste this time looking at movies, watching movies, or, or listening to music and Allah knows what not. Don't waste this opportunity. Make a determined resolve that we will change ourselves. We will worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, don't be like those who Allah ta'ala gives the example in the Qur'an. فَإِذَا رَكِبُوا فِي الْفُلْكِ دَعَوُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ That when they, those who just believe in Allah, when they're traveling by sea, and now there's nothing to help them, nothing to support them, and waves are crashing their boat, there's turbulence from everywhere. The wind is, is moving them one direction than the other direction and they have no hope. They turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely. They make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They, they make oaths to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They vow that we're going to change ourselves, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves them, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves them, they come foot, they step foot on dry land. Soon afterward they forget. They forget as if nothing happened. I tell you, my dear respected brothers and sisters, this will come to pass. We don't know when, but we know that it will come to pass. The question is, what resolve will we, will we make right now? What opportunity, the advantage that we'll take from this opportunity, if we take it or not, and if we continue that or not? This is a reminder from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And perhaps right now, we may not be seeing the wisdom, the divine wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's order. Perhaps in a month, in two months, in three months, in a year, we start seeing why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maybe the wisdoms behind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command. Maybe we see it in this life, maybe we don't. But as believers, we should take full advantage of this opportunity. This is our opportunity of doing i'tikaf in our homes, in increasing our recitation of the Qur'an, in increasing in worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in connecting with our families. We often don't get this opportunity to connect with our families. Now we have that opportunity. Help, I say to, I was I tell my students, I say, you're home now, take this opportunity to help your parents, do khidmah of your parents. You know, uh, uh, do something around the house. Whatever the case may be. So, we as believers, whatever difficulty comes our way, we make it into an opportunity. And we have unshakable faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, an unwavering belief in the hereafter, and the model of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to guide us. So inshallah, every Monday we'll have different different stories. Today was just kind of an introduction. Allah knows best how long this will continue for, but we'll try every Monday 
to look, cover one story and see what lesson we can learn from that story, inshaAllah ta'ala. We make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, keep us and our families and our friends, uh, uh, all those who may be infected or not infected, Ya Allah, keep us with afiyah. Those of us who are still are healthy right now, we make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, protect us from this virus, us, our families, those who have been infected by this virus, we make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them shifaya kamila, daima. Continue to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala is reminding us that Allah is in control. We are not in control. We are not in control of I mean, anything. We could be living in the 21st century, we have nothing under our control. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's in control. We have to recognize that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that recognition. <clears throat> Subhanallah wa bihamdi, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.